0: All right, pray, <clears throat> pray. Be praying you, while you're listening. All right, Second Kings, chapter one, or otherwise called the fourth book of the kings. I've I've taught you that before. That uh, originally in the Hebrew Old Testament, first and second Samuel were actually considered the first and second book of the kings. Second Kings, chapter one. Now we read through this this chapter in a message that I, I preached. Uh, ...taught several weeks ago in relation to where is the God of Elijah, the Lord God of Elijah, that Elisha uh, asked in uh, chapter 2. But uh, we quickly went through this because I said I wanted to uh, spend some time preaching through this passage and I've spent some time studying this out. Notice here verses 1 and following by way of introduction. Then Moab rebelled against Israel after the death of Ahab... And Ahaziah fell down through a lattice in his upper chamber that was in Samaria and was sick. And he sent messengers and said unto them, Go inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover of this disease. But the, Lord, the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria, and say unto them, Is it not because there is not a god in Israel that ye go uh, go to inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Ekron. Now, therefore, thus saith the Lord, thou shalt not come down from that bed on which thou art gone up, but shalt surely die. And Elijah departed. Now to to show you the the link between all four of these books of the kings as they're as they're called, notice the first word of this chapter is then. Right at the start we see then. So we have to go back to uh, to the end of first kings twenty two verse fifty one. to uh, let us know what we're talking about here. So again, we see all these books are joined together, written, of course, uh, by different prophets. You know, they they were adding as, as they went through the generation after generation. It says here in verse 51, Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, began to reign over Israel and Samaria, the 17th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and reigned two years over Israel. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father and in the way of his mother in the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin. For he served Baal and worshipped him, notice, and provoked to anger the Lord God of Israel, according to all that his father had done. So he's following the example of his father Ahab, you know, exactly. But it says, he served Baal and worshipped him, and provoked to anger the Lord God of Israel. Now let me remind you that this is a king in Israel, they had, should have been, been able to read the Old Testament law and understand what they were doing wrong. But they could care less about the Old Testament law. And they've totally rejected God, the Lord God of Israel. Again, it says, then Moab rebelled against Israel after the death of Ahab. Ahab notice chapter that three, chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. We see there's a, another explanation of this. Chapter 3 verse 4 says, "Misha, king of Moab was a sheep master and rendered unto the king of Israel a hundred thousand lambs, a hundred thousand rams with the wool. And it came to pass when Ahab was dead that the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. Now just to give you a little historical context to this, Moab was, was in subjection since the time of David. So we're talking about a few generations now that Moab has been sub- in subjection to Israel. Now at the time you know, when Ahab finally dies, notice they finally rebel. They take this opportunity to rebel against, against Israel as far as this subjection. And as it gives us and also the, the background of this story, notice it says in verse 2, And Ahaziah fell down through a lattice in his upper chamber that was in Samaria and was sick. He sent messengers and said unto them, Go inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover of this disease. Notice it says here Ahaziah fell down through a lattice. Now, why in the world would they have a lattice and an upper floor or whatever? I believe it helps us to get a little understanding. First of all, in this, this uh, culture, they often had a flat rooftop. They had a flat roof. And so, in fact, Deuteronomy 22 even, there was a command of God where, where as far as their flat roof, they were supposed to have a, what they called a battlement around the edge so that they would not be, Guilty of blood with somebody falling off the rooftop and dying and everything. That reminds me of, uh, of uh, Eutychus, I think is his name, in uh, Acts 20, verse 9. It says he's listening to Paul preaching at midnight, and he's sitting in the window on an upper floor. And he's slumping off to sleep. It's not because Paul was, was, a, was a dry speaker. I believe it's because he worked all day. And so finally, on the first day of the week, about midnight, he's sitting there, after working all day, he's, he's kind of getting relaxed in the window. You know, the cool breeze coming in the window. And he's slumping off to sleep, and it says he falls off out of the window, comes up dead. Well, of course, Paul had the power to raise him up and, and everything, and everyone was, was, was greatly encouraged by that. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, no, somebody died and you know, fell out of church. It says, Ahaziah fell down through a lattice in his upper chamber. Probably what this was was a lattice that was, was placed as far as a, almost like a skylight on the upper upper uh, upper chamber, and so King Ahab dies in battle. You know, just an arrow shot at a chance. Uh, his son falls through a lattice. Notice well, he fell down through a lattice in his upper chamber that was in Samaria and was sick. He was on a sick bed, about ready to die. It was his deathbed. Notice he sent messengers. Pay attention to this. He sent messengers, not a captain of the military. Very important to catch this. Notice it says, He sent messengers and said unto them, Go inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover of this disease. As I mentioned before, (coughs) as I mentioned before on this, it does not say that he's asking for Beelzebub to, to heal him. He's going for information, going to inquire. Now, we're going to see later that he knows who Elijah is. Obviously, his father, at least, told him, you know, aware of Elijah. He won't say anything good about, it, about us. You know, our, he doesn't like our family. Well, as we see this here, he's going to get information. He's not going for a healing. It says, go inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover of this disease. Now, it's very interesting to understand a little bit about what, uh, what this uh, god of Ekron is. Of course, Ekron is... A city of the Philistines. I want to remind you what happened as far as uh, <coughs> 1 Samuel. In 1 Samuel it says that, uh, that um, when uh, the Ark of the Covenant was, was stolen, was taken captive by the Philistines, they took it as a prize of battle and placed it in the temple of Dagon. Now You, know, remember, you might remember the story. The first day, Dagon is seen bowing down before, before the, the Ark of the Covenant. Well, they should have said, wait a wait, minute, wait, there's something strange about that. Of course, this is a lifeless statue. They're thinking, well, who put, the, who put that idol like that? No, God put that idol like that. The second time after they set him back up in his place, you know, don't, wouldn't you just love to have a God that you can control like that? I want you right here. Don't move from there. Okay, I won't. Here's, here's what happened. Was it his hands were cut off and his what, head? Or I, I don't remember now. I forgot to look at the... But here, obviously, something strange is happening here. God has more power. This is, of course, then when, uh, when the, the Ark of the Covenant was moved to Ekron, oh, the, the one who's killing us has been moved. You're moving it here. We don't want it. So they kept moving it down the road, moving it down the road from uh, Philistine city to Philistine city. You notice here the God is called Baal Zebub. Notice Baal. I remind you again what it says. He served Baal and worshiped him and provoked to to anger the Lord God of Israel, according to all that his father had done. Notice Baal Zebub. So, who is Baal Zebub, the God of the Philistines? Literally, he was called a master or Lord of the Flies. So, here's this huge, probably metal fly that they worshiped the God of the Flies. This is why I believe Matthew 12, Matthew 10, and those places where it says, where they're accusing Jesus of casting out devils by Beelzebub. Do you realize how blasphemous that was of the Lord of glory? Instead of the Holy Spirit of God, they're accusing Jesus of casting out devils, evil spirits, unclean spirits, by the power of Beelzebub. Notice the God of Ekron... Notice, ask whether I shall recover of this disease. Literally, the king, this king of Israel, just like his father, just like his grandfather, and all the way back to Jeroboam, literally they had a misplaced trust. They were not trusting in the God of Israel. Notice to me Isaiah chapter 47. Notice it says here now. Let's look at verse 11 also, Isaiah 47, verse 11 through 13. Therefore shall evil come upon thee, thou shalt not know from whence it riseth. And mischief shall fall upon thee, thou shalt not be able to put it off. And desolation shall come upon thee suddenly, which thou shalt not know. Stand now with thine enchantments, and with the multitude of thy sorceries, wherein thou hast labored from thy youth. If so, be thou, shalt not be able to profit. If so, be thou, thou mayest prevail. Notice thou art wearied in the multitude of thy counsels. Let now the astrologers, the stargazers, the monthly prognosticators, stand up and save thee from these things which shall, that, that shall come upon thee. Well, What's that saying? Israel turned to all of these other things from the, from the occult, from the, the nations around them, and God says, okay, now that your judgment's coming upon you, why don't you go to them and get your answers? Why don't you go back to the astrologers? Why don't you, why don't you get your uh, stargazing booklet at the, at the checkout? All that stuff is handy for everybody. Oh, I wonder, I, I'm curious. Oh, I'm curious about my, about my astrologi- astrological reading. That curiosity entraps a lot of people. Notice again, this misplaced trust. Notice he sends messengers and says, Go inquire of above the god of Ekron. Notice verse 3, But the angel of the Lord, that is Jesus Christ, I believe, not just any angel sent from the Lord. The angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, because we're going to see again here uh, another reference to this later in the chapter. The angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and say unto them, Is it not because there is not a god in Israel that ye go to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron. Now, when you read this, notice there's a double negative there. I, I had to pay attention to that, so I, I'd make sure I understand what he's saying here. Is it not because there is not a god in Israel that ye go to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron? There is no god. Think about that verse, that psalm, Psalm 14.1, Psalm 53.1. The fool has said in his heart, there is no god. Notice Elijah is sent by, by the Lord Jesus himself, the angel of the Lord. It says, go up and meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and say unto them, is it not because there is not a God in Israel that you go to inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Ekron? Notice me yeah, out, Deuteronomy chapter 5. There are several warnings that Israel was given before they even went into the promised land in relation to going after other gods. Notice it says here in Deuteronomy 5, verses 6 through 10. This is actually a repeat of Ten Commandments, given on Mount Sinai, and it says, Deuteronomy 5, verse 6, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Thou shalt have none other gods before me. Now, Baal actually means Lord. In fact, uh, later on, it says in one of the prophets, you shall no longer call me Baali, my Lord. Literally, they have a misplaced Lord. Thou shalt have none other gods before me. Thou shalt not make thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the waters beneath the earth. Notice no similitude. Very clearly we see in Deuteronomy as when uh, God came down to the mountain, you saw no similitude. That's That's why I believe it's totally wrong to have a Jesus statue let alone a Mary statue. But to have a Jesus statue, what we're doing is a similitude. That's why I believe it's wrong to watch any video that has a so-called a Jesus film. Why is that? Because you have in your mind a visualization of what Jesus looks like. You want to see what Jesus looks like? Read Revelation 1. John, who knew Jesus, earth, uh, uh, one who's on this earth, he, he fell as a dead man before Jesus on the on the Isle of Patmos, that's the real Jesus. In fact, I I, I uh, watched, was was reading through something. Somebody who had watched the um, the Passion of the Christ, and they decided to do that. And um, in fact, I, I remember I remember the story. This pastor decided, well, I don't want to I don't want our people going to the uh, the movie theater, so we'll just bring it to the church. So he brought it to the church, and he regretted it. Regretted it, regretted it. You know why? Because he said people were picturing Jesus as this actor, a godless actor is pretending, pretending to be Jesus Christ. We don't see anything wrong with that, let alone the fact that it's nothing different than what they did in the Roman culture. Oh, this oh, got another crucifix going on today. Mel Gibson made millions. He didn't do that as some benefit to Christianity. He made millions. It paid for his next godless video, movie. No similitude. Why is it that we have to have this Jesus picture or some kind of visualization? The only visualization we need is what the Bible says God is like. Notice it says in verse 9, Thou shalt not bow down thyself unto them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. He has a righteous jealousy. He has a right to be jealous of our loyalty and our, and our worship. Notice visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children of the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Why well, I don't hate God. Then prove it. Amen. Prove it with your obedience. Right. Notice the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. And showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. By the way, a son of an idolater could actually have God's mercy. But here's here's what I believe he's teaching or what he's saying about this. For example, Omri was a godless idolater. Ahab was a godless idolater. Ahaziah was a godless idolater. All the way down through that generation until God had to destroy that family. It's the same way with Jeroboam, all of these wicked kings of Israel. They should have known better. God said this in his law. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Also notice with me Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 10 through 15. Deuteronomy 6. Verse 10 And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities, which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things, which thou fillest not, and wells digged, which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees, which thou plantest not. When thou shalt have eaten and be full, then beware, beware. Here's a warning lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt. From the house of bondage, thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him, and, and thou shalt swear by his name. Now pause there just a moment. America has had, I believe, God's prosperous, prosperity blessing for many years. I believe God has taken that from us because of our ungodliness. But here's, here's what I think it's true about this. God will bless those nations who honor him. Not because you bless Israel or whatever. Here's, here's the point. God blesses obedience. That's what the Bible says. He does not say, uh, as far as all these other things, it says, you shall not go after other gods of the gods of the people which are round about you. Now, let me ask you, going back to 2 Kings 1, as you think about that, Beelzebub is a god of where? Where did we say? The, of the of Philistines. Notice, they were not to worship the gods of the people which are round about you. For Lord thy God is a jealous God among you, lest the anger of the Lord thy God be kindled against thee and destroy thee from off the face of the earth. You shall not tempt the Lord your God as you tempted him in Massa. Notice, as we go back to Second Kings 1, notice the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise, go up to meet the, the messengers. Literally, what I believe, what, what, why God is sending Elijah here is because this was an insult to the God of heaven. This is an insult to the God of Israel. God is the one who gave them this land. God is the one who brought them out of Egypt. God is the one who had had shown grace and mercy upon this nation. And they have totally rejected him and are going after the gods of this world. I think it's very interesting. So I was reading through um, the book of uh, 1 and 2 Kings here uh, this last week. I was reminded of uh, Hezekiah. Hezekiah actually uh, started cleaning up as far as, uh, as far as the nation of Israel, one of the last good kings of Israel of, of Judah, I should say. And uh, remember, it says that he um, destroyed the, destroyed the um, serpent on a pole, something that was good as far as Israel is concerned in the wilderness. Evidently, they continued carrying that thing around with them throughout the wilderness journeys, and they put it up in Judah. I'm assuming in Jerusalem... They set up this pole, and it says they started burning incense to it. It says Hezekiah named it Nahustan. When we get to that, we'll we'll study that out, what that means. But here's what what I see is something good they put up and started worshiping it. They started burning incense. I thought they were supposed to burn incense to the Lord. Idolatry is so subtle. I've called this chapter Elijah's last stand against idolatry. I believe we need preachers of God, prophets of God today that are standing against the idolatry of America. I'll talk about some of those idols here in a moment. Is it not because there is not a God in Israel that you go to inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Ekron? Notice Jeremiah chapter 2. we We're going to see several cross-references because I want you to see what God said about this in other places so we understand why he feels so strongly about this. Jeremiah chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. Hath a nation changed their gods, which are yet no gods? But my people have changed their glory for that, which, for that which doth not profit. Notice, they've literally traded in their glory. You think about when the temple was completed. The temple was still, still there in Jerusalem. All Israel saw God's glory come into the temple. God sent fire to consume the sacrifices that Solomon is offering. They traded their glory for something that has no profit. Be astonished, O ye heavens, at this, and be horribly afraid. Be very desolate, saith the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. Remember Jesus said, through the working of the Spirit, you can have out of your innermost being rivers of living water. God is called here the fountain of living waters. Notice this is the first offense that they have forsaken the fountain of living waters, the God of Israel. And notice hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. They've traded their glory for that which doth not profit. 2 Kings 1, notice it says in verse 4, Now therefore, thus saith the Lord, Thou shalt not come down from that bed on which thou art gone up, but shalt surely die. Elijah departed. I love how Elijah delivers his message. Here's a message. I'm gone. I'm out of here. Probably because they would have taken him hostage right then and there. And Notice it says here, thou shalt surely die. Here's a few cross references. Psalm 16.4 says, their sorrow shall be multiplied that hasten after another God. Hasten after another God. Jonah two verse eight, they that observe lying vanities—a reference to idolatry—forsake their own mercy. That is a powerful statement in relation to that family of Ahab. They have forsaken God's mercy, their own mercy from God, because of their lying vanities. Proverbs eleven nineteen, he that pursueth evil pursueth it to his own death. Elijah delivers this message to them and then departs verse 5 and when the messengers turned back unto him he said unto them why are you now turned back I sent, you on a, I sent you on a mission remember he sent messengers it's very important to pay attention to that I'm going to emphasize that here in a moment and they said unto him there came a man up to meet us and said unto us go turn again unto the king that sent you and say unto him thus saith the Lord Is it not because there is not a God in Israel that thou sendest to inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Ekron? Therefore thou shalt not come down from that bed on which thou art gone up, but shalt surely die. I'm reminded of of, uh, 1 Chronicles 10 verses 13 and 14. I read this just yesterday. where It talks about King Saul. One of the reasons why he died is because he went to the witch of Endor. Saul inquired of a witch one who had a familiar spirit. And that's part of the reason why God killed Saul, King Saul, the very first king of Israel. And he said unto them, What manner of man was he which came up to meet you and told you these words? I have a feeling he's kind of suspicious who this is that was delivering this message. Because last I knew, Micaiah, we knew, as we see First Kings talking about Micaiah. Micaiah was... was put back into prison. So he's locked up. So he's not meeting these messengers. So what manner of man was he? It says they answered him. He was a hairy man and drove with a girdle of leather about his loins. Ah, that's Elijah. I, I know who that is. That's Elijah the Tishbite. Ah, now I understand why you got this message. I hate this man. He obviously knew who Elijah was. So let me ask you a question why was he not seeking after the prophet of Israel? If he knew who Elijah was, why was he not sending a messenger to him asking about his future? Like Ahab, his father, he hated the message of God. He did not want the message of God. Remember where Ahab and uh, and Jehoshaphat were were meeting together. All should we go into battle? All right, so all of these prophets are coming in. All these prophets of Ahab are coming out. Yeah, go up, go up, prosper. You're going to win for sure. Yeah, go up. These are, these are public. I don't know. 501c3? I'll just throw that in. These are government-sponsored preachers. Yeah, go up and prosper. Just like... James Dobson, and so many other so-called preachers today. Five presidents, wicked and wicked and wicked. Nothing ever changes as far as their message. They're all government, government-sponsored prophets. So then you have one Micaiah standing against 400 prophets of Baal. Government prophets. Prophets. He stands alone in his message. Well, I don't want him because I I don't like him. He he never has anything good to say to me. Well, if you start living right for God, then he might have something good to say for you, Ahab. Then the king sent unto him messengers. Come down. Is that what your Bible says in verse 9? Read it carefully. Then the king sent unto Elijah messengers telling him to come to the palace. Is that what your Bible says? It says, The king sent unto him a captain of 50 with his 50. Why would Ahaziah, the king, be sending a military dispatch from the palace to bring Elijah to the palace? It's because he's under arrest. He's not sending a messenger anymore. So he sends a messenger to Ekron, an enemy of Israel. But he sends a dispatch of soldiers to Elijah. This sounds kind of like COVID-19. In particular, I've thought of two preachers in Canada watching videos of their arrest. They did not send one officer to arrest these preachers. These are preachers who stood against the tyranny of Justin so-called in you know, whatever it's Trudeau, whatever his name is, you know, Justin Tyrant in Canada. Literally, the second time, the one preacher, he's not a Baptist preacher, the one, the, the one preacher, in fact, he's from, from somewhere in Europe, experiencing that kind of tyranny in Europe, went to Canada thinking he was going to have some liberty, and he had more Tyranny than he had in Europe. I remember what was eight vehicles, or whatever. They they arrested him along the highway. They chased him down. The other preacher was actually a Baptist preacher. I remember watching that video of his arrest. So they have five vehicles, police vehicles, sitting in the church parking lot because they decided to have church that, that Lord's Day. Here's this Baptist pastor. In front of his wife and children, they take him off in handcuffs down to the police station. Their crime? Because they had church services. Uh, Unless you think America, yeah, we're in America. They were shutting down churches in Lincoln. How close is that to us? Barely across the county line. Anything over ten people in Lincoln, I heard there was a an exercise gym. They uh, sent police. You know, police stopped in, counted how many people were in the building. If one more person comes in, you're all under arrest. Say what? We were here first. That other person's just gonna have to stay out longer. Then he's not gonna be able to exercise today. That's how ridiculous that stuff was. What is it? It was tyranny. When they're arresting preachers, guess what? We're in trouble as a nation. How many churches, this Baptist church in California was fined thousands of dollars upon every every time they met met, met together for church. And by the way, they're using cell phones to track how many people are meeting in those kinds of situations. How many pings are there in a concentrated area? He went up with him and notice, he's going up this, remember Elijah's on a hill here. He sat on the top of a hill. I'm wondering if Elijah wasn't up on the hill praying. So, you know, this captain and his 50 are interrupting Elijah's prayer meeting, prayer time here. Behold, he sat on the top of a hill. Notice this captain is going up to him on top of the hill. And he spake unto him, Thou man of God, the king has said, Come down. Now, I want to point out here something here as far as both of these, these first two Say, thou man of God. Do they really believe he's a man of God? Or is this some derogatory term that they're using in relation to Elijah? Thou man of God, the king says, come down. What this is, is a conflict of authorities. Elijah has, is the prophet of the Most High God. He's not one of Ahaziah's prophets. He's not a prophet of the government. So we're having a conflict of authorities here. Thou man of God, the king, the king has said, come down. Our president said, no more than 10 people meet. I know it was a suggestion. Well, there are a lot of people who took his suggestion and ran with it and started forcing churches to close. Not just one week, months. Well, we hope to get you back in your churches by Easter. Well, that didn't work out. It's coming. Wave 2 here very soon. They're ready. Disease X has been promised. I mean planned. I mean... And Elijah answered and said to the captain of the 50. If I be a man of God, then let fire come down. Here's proof. This is not vengeance. I'm going to point that out here because we'll talk about this in a moment here as far as James and John and Luke 9. If I be a man of God, then let fire come down from heaven and consume thee and thy 50. I believe Israel's at a point right now, and this is why Elijah had to do, God had Elijah do what he did in, in 1 Kings 18. Israel was at a point where they had to have proof, had to have visual evidence that they were serving the wrong God. They weren't serving the Lord God. Well, in fact, the people are trying to halt between, oh, here's Baal. Oh, oh the king's coming. I got him. Oh, Baal, oh, Baal. Oh, okay, king gone. I can go over and worship the Lord now. That's what Elijah says. How long halt you between two opinions? That's what America is doing right now. American Christianity is trying to halt between two opinions. I'll talk about that here in a moment with some very real live examples. But if I be a man of God, notice, I want fire to come uh, down. Then let fire come down from heaven and consume thee and thy 50. It says there came down fire from heaven and consumed him and his 50. To be honest with you, if I was this captain of 50, I would have thought about what happened back in 1 Kings 18. It's like, you know, I'm not, I'm going to, oh, Elijah, man of God, the king wants to talk to you. I think I would have taken seriously because, oh, the Lord, he is the God, the Lord, He's the That's what Israel was saying. I think I would have taken seriously this prophet can call fire from heaven, Again, also, he sent unto him another captain of the 50, all right? So think about this. I don't, the Bible doesn't say how many of the, of, of the remains were left after God burned them up. I would think the second captain of the 50, ooh, wow, that's pretty serious. There's got to be at least some burned up ground, you know, grass area or whatever. Whoa, something happened there. So let me ask you how did they know they were burned up and they needed, the king needed to send another dispatch out? Did somebody see this happen? Or did they go to see, and they saw the evidence? Regardless of what happened here, the Bible doesn't say. He sent unto him another captain of 50 with his 50. And he answered and said unto him, O man of God, thus saith the king. That's his only authority. None of this the Lord God told us you're supposed to come to the palace, Elijah. (laughs) Thus saith the king. Come down. Notice there's an added emphasis of this. Come down quickly. You're under arrest right now, Elijah. Come down quickly. Now, I want to point out here, remember, Elijah's at the top of the hill. If he's saying come down, notice they have not taken him down the hill. Elijah, come down. You can come peacefully or we're going to, haul you away here. Elijah answered and said unto them, all oh, same same response. If I be a man of God, then let, let fire come down from heaven and consume thee and thy 50. The fire of God fell down from heaven and consumed him and his 50. Now I want to point out a couple things here. First of all, John the Baptist is a New Testament Elijah. Elias. God did not give John the Baptist fire from heaven to deliver him. Also, remind you of this. God did not give Jesus, God the Father did not give His own Son fire from heaven to deliver Him. He went to the cross. Oh, I, I could call legions of angels. Jesus said, thousands upon thousands of angels to destroy the earth and set him free. Fire of God. I to remind you that the Bible says very clearly that God is a consuming fire. Notice Hebrews chapter 10. Oh, this is New Testament, preacher. Yeah, Yeah, I know. Why is it that we think that the Old Testament God is different from the New Testament God? Oh, yeah, the Old Testament God is a judgment, vengeful God. No, he's a God of love. He's also a God of righteousness and holiness, just like he's in the New Testament. Hebrews 10, notice verse 26. This is not a loss of salvation. I want to, we've taught this before, but I want to emphasize that as we start this. This is, again, talking about somebody who has made a profession of faith, and they turn back, literally, they're apostates. They, they turn away from the truth that they said they believed. Verse 26, For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. So we're living in sin, we're turning back into apostasy, falling away from the truth that we, that we said we believed. But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. And how much sore punishment, suppose ye, shall he be thought worthy, who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant, therewith, uh, wherewith uh, he was sanctified, an unholy thing, and hath done despot unto the Spirit of grace. For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Notice with me Hebrews chapter 12 then. Near the end of the chapter. Uh, for the sake of time, notice is verse 28 and 29. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace and whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Uh, Also, we see in uh, Leviticus uh, 10, verses 1 through 3, where the sons of of Aaron were offering strange fire, and it says, fire came out from the Lord and consumed them. I mean, those were prophets, or priests, I should say, were already consecrated. (laughs) But they're offering strange fire. What what I believe is a simple way to understand it is they were worshiping in man's ways, Will worship, I think, is what the New Testament calls it. They were, they were worshiping the Lord in their way. All right, so you think about all these modern churches that are worshiping God in their way. The rock music and all those kinds. Of, yeah, we're worshiping. No, you're, you're, you're entertaining yourselves with a rock concert. That's what you're doing. It's not worship of God. It's sensual. I, I want to point this out here as far as Luke chapter 9, verses 51 through 58. It, you don't need to turn there. It's, it's uh, where um, Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. He's uh, this near the, nearing the end of his uh, life. And it says, as they were passing through Samaria, it says, the Samaritans would not listen, would not respond to them because he had his face set as he was to go to Jerusalem. So in the process of that, James and John, the sons of thunder, you know, yeah, caught down fire from heaven, that type of thing. Yeah. So the sons of th- Boanerges, men of zeal, Lord, shall we call down fire from heaven like Elijah did to consume these people and just zap them with fire? They don't go with us. They don't want to listen. Jesus says, you don't know what spirit you're of. I did not come to destroy men's lives. I came to save them. I believe the difference here is this. Jesus was not going to allow James and John to call fire from heaven because Why? they were not trying to take them and arrest them and take them to, you know, to, to die out. They, they, they just were not interested because Jesus didn't seem to be, he's to be focused. So they just were not interested. Notice the total difference there. Notice it says in verse 13 back in 2 Kings 1. And he sent a captain of the third 50 with his 50. <laughs> All right, so now you have 102 Burned remains, scorched remains, possibly two burned-out areas. <coughs> but you're heading up the mountain, up the hill, I should say. And uh, so this third one is like, oh wow, King, you really, you really think I need to do this? Uh, you know, I, I've never questioned you before, but I, I'm not sure this is a good idea. The third captain of fifty went up and came and fell on his knees before Elijah. I want to point out here that the other two apparently <coughs> did not go all the way up the hill. It says he went up. Notice a slight different wording here. It says he went up and he's actually in front of Elijah and he's bowing on this. Oh, Elijah, have mercy on us. <laughs> Notice it says here before Elijah and besought him and said unto him, "O oh, man of God." Notice a totally different t- a tone here as far as what he's saying to Elijah. I pray thee. <laughs> The king says... No, that's not what he's saying anymore. I pray thee, let my life and the life of these 50 thy servants be precious in thy sight. No more demands, you notice. Behold, there came fire down from heaven. Possibly they passed their burned remains or the burned out area where they were standing. There came fire down from heaven and burned, uh, burnt up the two captains of the former 50s with their 50s. Therefore, let my life now be precious in thy sight. The angel of the Lord said unto Elijah, Go down with him, be not afraid of him. All right, so notice here, the angel of the Lord, this is why I say this is the Lord Jesus. The angel of the Lord, in fact, um, I think it's Psalm 34, verse 7, it says, The angel of the Lord campeth around, and campeth around them that fear him. We're talking about the angel of the Lord, Jesus Christ himself, uh, our protector. <laughs> Elijah, go down with him, be not afraid of him. And he rose and went down uh, with him unto the king. And he said unto him, Thus saith the Lord. Notice his message does not change in person in front of the king. This is is where the modern preachers who have have an ear hearing of the president are wrong. This is where they are wrong. I'm going to say it again biblically. This is where they are wrong. They are not calling for repentance before the wickedness of our land. The rulers of our land. Oh, yeah, God prosper. God bless you, our president. It doesn't matter if they're wicked, whatever. They're not calling our nation to repentance. And so we keep going into increasing wickedness. Thus saith the Lord, for as much as thou hast sent messengers to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron. Isn't it because there is no God? Notice that phrase. There is, oh, that sounds like Psalm 14, verse 1, as I mentioned. There is no God. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Is it not because there is no God in Israel to inquire of his word? What's he saying? Israel's rejected. Their, their, God, their God was kicked out of the country. Can I remind you that Israel is still God's possession? So he still has a right to judge Israel. But they've kicked the God of Israel out. Therefore thou shalt not come down off that bed on which thou art gone up, but shalt surely die. Well, I think it's very interesting. There's nothing here in this passage that says... Tell Telling the captain, arrest him, take him to prison. I kind of get the idea he died pretty quickly. Thou shalt surely die. So he died according to the word of the Lord, which Elijah had spoken. One of the things that's very interesting is we see here in this passage, it doesn't say how long he was sick, but he was sick enough and he was wondering if he was going to survive. So he went, sent messengers to inquire. Very quickly it says he died. I want you to notice here, First Corinthians chapter 10. First Corinthians chapter 10. I, I am burdened, not just for our country, less for our country than I am for modern-day Christianity, so-called Christianity First Kings 10, verse 18. First Kings 10, verse 18. Behold, Israel after the flesh. That's very important to pay attention to that statement. Israel after the flesh. This is not remnant Israel. This is not believing Israel. Behold, Israel after the flesh. Are not they which eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? What say I then? That the idol is anything? Verse 19. Or that which is offered and sacrificed to idols is anything? But I say that the things... Which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. 1 Corinthians 10.14 in that context says flee from idolatry. 1 John 5.21, the very last verse of the book. Keep yourselves from idols. Keep yourselves from idolatry. Colossians 3, five, covetousness is idolatry. We have had covetousness in our nation, and I believe it's expressed in the health and wealth gospel. That, that's the reality of it. We have been deceived into covetousness. I want you to think about the fact that we have had gods in America, even to the point where we don't even recognize them. First of all, I want to mention is Found in Daniel 11, where it talks about, in that context, possibly even uh, King Herod, where it talks about the God, they worship the God of forces. Military God. We have had a God of forces in America for generations now. In fact, do, you want to do an interesting study of history? If I remember right, less than two hands, you can count the number of years that our nation has not been in, in, involved in war since our beginning. Very, very few. If I remember right, less than, less than ten years without war of some kind. God of forces. got of forces. Um, actually, uh, I had plans to read a book. I, I have so many books on my list of to, to read. Um, World War II, The Unnecessary War there's some things behind the scenes in those things where they, we, are on, we were on purpose trying to provoke Japan and Germany into war. How many millions of our own men lost their lives for banker's wars? I think it's kind of fishy when the London bankers and their associates Agents, however you want to call it, are paying for both sides of wars. In fact, you don't realize how close it comes to our presidency? Prescott Bush. Prescott Bush was funding Hitler before World War II. Right up until the time war was declared on Germany. We have worshipped in America god of forces. You want to see a picture of that? When our president declared war on Iraq, I heard of Baptist preachers even saying, kill them Muslims from pulpits in America. We're not talking about enemy armies. Kill them Muslims in Iraq. We have been worshiping a false god The God of forces in America for a long time. And God is judging America for that. $34 trillion in debt. How long do you think that's going to hold up? And it's increasing. I don't remember how many. It's it's trillions of dollars, a trillion dollars every several, couple, three months now. Here's another God. Notice me, Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. Related to this, I believe, is a false Jesus, not the Bible Jesus. Acts chapter 7. Notice verse 37. This is that Moses which said unto the children of Israel, Prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me, him shall ye hear. This is he that was in the church in the wilderness. Which the, "...with the angel which spake, unto, uh, spake to him in the Mount, in the mount Sinai." The, the angel, notice, the angel of the Lord that we saw back in Second Kings 1. "...and with, your fa- with, with our fathers who received..." Remember, this is, this is Stephen preaching to the leaders of Israel here. "...who received the lively oracles to give unto us. "...to whom our fathers would not obey, but thrust him out from them, and in their hearts turned back again to, in, into Egypt." turning back into the world with our hearts. That, that's an application. Saying unto Aaron, Make us gods to go before us. For as for this Moses, which brought us out of the land of Egypt, we what not what has become of him. It says they made a calf, just like Egypt. This is based on the idolatry of Egypt, the idolatry of this world. They made a calf in those days and offered sacrifice unto the idol and rejoiced in the works of their own hands. Oh, there's a, there's a statement for modern-day Christianity and their worship. We have idols of gold in America. God prospers. God prospers. God will bless obedience, but that doesn't mean we're going to get rich. What I think is very interesting, the fact that they made a god... After their own imagination. Gods of gold. All right, so here's here's another God. Notice verse 42. Then God turned and gave them up. Notice that statement, gave them up. Oh, that sounds like Romans 1. God gave them up. Here's elect Israel. God's chosen nation. God gave them up to worship the host of heaven. Astrology. As it is written in the book of the prophets, O ye house of Israel, have ye offered to me slain beasts and sacrifices by the space of 40 years in the wilderness? It's a quote from Amos. He took up the tabernacle of Moloch. By the way, a lot of this idolatry came from King Solomon. At the peak of Israel as a nation, he took up your tabernacle of Moloch. Notice they're worshiping the Moloch temple. Milcom of the Ammonites. First Kings 11 tells us all about this idolatry that Solomon brought into Israel. And notice this, the star of your god Remphan, figures which he made to worship them, and I will carry you away beyond Babylon. Star. Why is it that nobody in modern day Christianity in America is asking this question? based on how strongly the Bible speaks against occult-type practices and symbols. To the point now where we have Baptist churches even. You'll have your American flag on one side, the Christian flag on another. And in the middle of the platform, you'll stand, have a flag with a six-pointed occultic symbol on it. Nobody's asking the questions. Star of our God, Fan. Star of our God, Fan. You can't say anything against Israel because of the star of our God. That's, that's the symbol right there. That is a hexagon. Hexagram, I should say. A hexagram. That is an occultic symbol. Nobody's asking the question why Israel has a, an occultic symbol on it. The star of our God, Remphan—that that is not the star of David. There's nothing in the Bible that says David had a star, six-pointed star on it. In fact, there's evidence that actually came from Solomon in the midst of all of his idolatry. We at this point, here in America, have gotten to the point where we have, are bowing before Israel's God, not the God of, of heaven. Did you hear what I just said? A preacher who's preaching out this message is anti Semitic. I keep saying this. You read through the Old Testament prophets, they were anti Semitic. They announced judgment on the nation of Israel, just like Elijah did. Elijah's telling me this is the, the king of Israel. I saw a video clip here this last week. It put a lot of things in perspective. How many of you ever heard of Rabbi Schneerson? White-bearded Messiah. People worship at his grave, by the way. Hoping he's going to res- resurrect from the dead and be their Messiah. I saw a younger Netanyahu in his meeting with Schneerson. Basically, Schneerson said this. We're not hastening the coming of Messiah fast enough. You need to do something about this. The look on Netanyahu's face. I'm standing in the presence of greatness here. You're not doing enough to hasten. To hasten. You know what they believe? Until they get rid of all the Goyim, uh, are any Jews here? Until they get rid of you, Messiah's not coming. That's the God we're bowing before? Do you realize, do you realize, we have traded gods, and we don't even see it in American Christianity? The God, the star of your God, Remphan, figures which he made to worship them. They worship that star. That's, a symbi- that's symbolism of their Babylonian occultism. They are Babylonian, they're not Israelites. God, help us to wake up to the idolatry that we've given into. Ecclesiastes chapter 8 verse Again, King Saul was killed because of all this. But it shall not be well with the wicked, verse 13. Ecclesiastes 8:13, but it shall not be well with the wicked, neither shall he prolong his days, which are as a shadow, because he feareth not before his God, before God. I believe in America, we've lost sight of the Lord of the Bible. I'm convinced of that. Okay, so now we are in America. It doesn't matter what Israel does to thousands of people. By the way, can I point out something with that? There is a map that I keep seeing. Greater Israel. Do you realize and this this is what grabbed my attention when I was reading 2 Kings 24? I want you I encourage you to take a look at the map. This is Israel has Israel promotes this. Israel in the time of David and Solomon. And what their kingdom, how much of their, the land they had for the kingdom. But as I was reading 2 Kings 24 verse 7, it talks about Babylon taking from Egypt from Nile, from the Nile to the Euphrates. Do you realize they are wanting, Israel is wanting land, more land than Solomon and David had? You look at the greater Israel map, half of Iraq they want. They want most of Syria all the way up into Turkey. Until they have it, they're not done killing people. Is that the kind of God we're going to worship? The God of forces? God help us in America. We have been deceived to the point where we don't even recognize the real God of the Bible anymore. I I thought it was Jesus that said that he did not come to destroy life, but to save life. And so we're going to bow before some kind of false God that says, you got to kill all those Palestinians. By the way, this is not about self-defense. Benjamin Netanyahu told his own military... We're not, fi- we're not going to finish it. We're not going to stop until this job is done. What job? I, I don't see a lot of the Palestinians going in and bombing Israel. Oh, it's the other way. That's not self defense, that is an offensive. And, and I watch, watch the news. Oh, it's very interesting. We're involved now. We're clear down in the Red Sea. There's things going on in Iraq and Syria and all these places. There's a reason for that. Israel is provoking us on the basis of their false god. Israel is provoking our god of the forces to help them in accomplishing their purpose. God is not going to bless America with that. Almighty oh, mighty star, rim fan. Churches in America are helping our nation do that. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to see, see the idolatry of our land and even modern day Christianity. Lord, we serve a false God and that brings your judgment. I really believe we're seeing thy judgment in our land right now, not your blessing. And Lord, I pray that if somebody here today is trusting in a false God to get them to heaven. I pray that today will be the day of salvation. Lord, we have so much of this. Say a prayer and live as you please. Not nothing ever changes. We have so much of that in modern day Christianity, Lord. They're not recognizing thee as Lord, recognizing that they need to repent of their sin and all that. So, Lord, help us to determine if there's any idolatry in our lives that would bring thy chastening upon us. Pray in Jesus' name, Amen.